Chapter 5, Part 1 of The Hope of the Gospel. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Jordan. The Hope of the Gospel by George MacDonald. Chapter 5 The Heirs of Heaven and Earth. Part 1 And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Matthew chapter 5, verses 2, 3 and 5 The words of the Lord are the seed sown by the sower. Into our hearts they must fall, that they may grow. Meditation and prayer must water them, and obedience keep them in the sunlight. Thus will they bear fruit for the Lord's gathering. Those of his disciples, that is, obedient hearers, who had any experience in trying to live, would, in part, at once understand them. But as they obeyed and pondered, the meaning of them would keep growing. This we see in the writings of the apostles. It will be so with us also, who need to understand everything he said, neither more nor less than they to whom first he spoke. While our obligation to understand is far greater than theirs at the time, inasmuch as we have had nearly two thousand years' experience of the continued coming of the kingdom he then preached, it is not yet come. It has been all the time, and is now, drawing slowly nearer. The Sermon on the Mount, as it is commonly called, seems the Lord's first free utterance, in the presence of any large assembly, of the good news of the kingdom. He had been teaching his disciples and messengers, and had already brought the glad tidings that his father was their father to many besides, to Nathaniel for one, to Nicodemus, to the woman of Samaria, to everyone he had cured, everyone whose cry for help he had heard. His epiphany was a gradual thing, beginning, where it continues, with the individual. It is impossible even to guess at what number may have heard him on this occasion. He seems to have gone up the mount because of the crowd, to secure a somewhat opener position whence he could better speak, and thither followed him all those who desired to be taught of him, accompanied, doubtless, by not a few in whom curiosity was the chief motive. Disciple or gazer, he addressed the individuality of everyone that had ears to hear. Peter and Andrew, James and John, are all we know as his recognized disciples followers and companions at the time, but while his words were addressed to such as had come to him desiring to learn of him, the things he uttered were eternal truths, life in which was essential for every one of his father's children. Therefore they were for all. He who heard to obey was his disciple. How different, at the first sound of it, must the good news have been from the news anxiously expected by those who waited for the Messiah. 
Even the Baptist in prison lay listening after something of quite another sort. The Lord had to send him a message by eyewitnesses of his doings, to remind him that God's thoughts are not as our thoughts, or his ways as our ways, that the design of God is other and better than the expectation of men. His summary of the gifts he was giving to men culminated with the preaching of the good news to the poor. If John had known these his doings before, he had not recognized them as belonging to the Lord's special mission. The Lord tells him it is not enough to have accepted him as the Messiah. He must recognize his doings as the work he had come into the world to do. And as in their nature so divine as to be the very business of the Son of God, in whom the Father was well pleased. Wherein, then, consisted the goodness of the news which he opened his mouth to give them? What was in the news to make the poor glad? Why was his arrival with such words in his heart and mouth the coming of the kingdom? All good news from heaven is of truth essential truth, involving duty, and giving and promising help to the performance of it. There can be no good news for us men, except of uplifting love, and no one can be lifted up who will not rise. If God himself sought to raise his little ones without their consenting effort, they would drop from his foiled endeavour. He will carry us in his arms till we are able to walk. He will carry us in his arms when we are weary with walking. He will not carry us if we will not walk. Very different are the good news Jesus brings us from certain prevalent representations of the gospel founded on the pagan notion that suffering is an offset for sin and culminating in the vile assertion that the suffering of an innocent man, just because he is innocent, yea, perfect, is a satisfaction to the Holy Father for the evil deeds of his children. As a theory concerning the atonement, nothing could be worse either intellectually, morally, or spiritually. Announced as the gospel itself, as the good news of the kingdom of heaven, the idea is monstrous as any Chinese dragon. Such a so-called gospel is no gospel, however accepted as God-sent by good men of a certain development. It is evil news, dwarfing, enslaving, maddening, news to the child heart of the dreariest damnation. Doubtless some elements of the gospel are mixed up with it on most occasions of its announcement. None the more is it the message received from him. It can be good news only to such as are prudently willing to be delivered from a God they fear, but unable to accept the gospel of a perfect God in whom to trust perfectly. The good news of Jesus was just the news of the thoughts and ways of the father in the midst of his family. He told them that the way men thought for themselves and their children was not the way God thought for himself and his children. 
that the kingdom of heaven was founded and must at length show itself founded on very different principles from those of the kingdoms and families of the world meaning by the world that part of the father's family which will not be ordered by him will not even try to obey him the world's man its great its successful its honourable man is he who may have and do what he pleases whose strength lies in money and the praise of men the greatest in the kingdom of heaven is the man who is humblest and serves his fellows the most multitudes of men in no degree notable as ambitious or proud hold the ambitious the proud man in honour and for all deliverance hope after some shadow of his prosperity how many even of those who look for the world to come seek to the powers of this world for deliverance from its evils as if god were the god of the world to come only the oppressed of the lord's time looked for a messiah to set their nation free and make it rich and strong the oppressed of our time believe in money knowledge and the will of a people which needs but power to be in its turn the oppressor the first words of the lord on this occasion were blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven it is not the proud it is not the greedy of distinction it is not those who gather and hoard not those who lay down the law to their neighbours not those that condescend any more than those that shrug the shoulder and shoot out the lip that have any share in the kingdom of the father that kingdom has no relation with or resemblance to the kingdoms of this world deals with no one thing that distinguishes their rulers except to repudiate it the son of god will favour no smallest ambition be it in the heart of him who leans on his bosom the kingdom of god the refuge of the oppressed the golden age of the new world the real utopia the newest yet oldest atlantis the home of the children will not open its gates to the most miserable who would rise above his equal in misery who looks down on any one more miserable than himself it is the home of perfect brotherhood the poor the beggars in spirit the humble men of heart the unambitious the unselfish those who never despise men and never seek their praises the lowly who see nothing to admire in themselves therefore cannot seek to be admired of others the men who give themselves away these are the freemen of the kingdom these are the citizens of the new jerusalem the men who are aware of their own essential poverty not the men who are poor in friends poor in influence poor in acquirements poor in money but those who are poor in spirit who feel themselves poor creatures who know nothing to be pleased with themselves for and desire nothing to make them think well of themselves who know that they need much to make their life worth living to make their existence a good thing to make them fit to live these humble ones are the poor whom the lord calls blessed 
when a man says i am low and worthless then the gate of the kingdom begins to open to him for there enter the true and this man has begun to know the truth concerning himself whatever such a man has attained to he straightway forgets it is part of him and behind him his business is with what he has not with the things that lie above and before him the man who is proud of anything he thinks he has reached has not reached it he is but proud of himself and imagining a cause for his pride if he had reached he would already have begun to forget he who delights in contemplating whereto he has attained is not merely sliding back he is already in the dirt of self-satisfaction the gate of the kingdom is closed and he outside the child who clinging to his father dares not think he has in any sense attained while as yet he is not as his father his father's heart his father's heaven is his natural home to find himself thinking of himself as above his fellows would be to that child a shuddering terror his universe would contract around him his ideal wither on its throne the least motion of self-satisfaction the first thought of placing himself in the forefront of estimation would be to him a flash from the nether abyss god is his life and his lord that his father should be content with him must be all his care among his relations with his neighbour infinitely precious comparison with his neighbour has no place which is the greater is of no account he would not choose to be less than his neighbour he would choose his neighbour to be greater than he he looks up to every man otherwise gifted than he his neighbour is more than he all come from the one mighty father shall he judge the live thoughts of god which is greater and which is less in thus denying thus turning his back on himself he has no thought of saintliness no thought but of his father and his brethren to such a child heaven's best secrets are open he clambers about the throne of the father unrebuked his back is ready for the smallest heavenly playmate his arms are an open refuge for any blackest little lost kid of the father's flock he will toil with it up the heavenly stair up the very steps of the great white throne to lay it on the father's knees for the glory of that father is not in knowing himself god but in giving himself away in creating and redeeming and glorifying his children the man who does not house self has room to be his real self god's eternal idea of him he lives eternally in virtue of the creative power present in him with momently unimpeded creation he is how should there be in him one thought of ruling or commanding or surpassing 
he can imagine no bliss no good in being greater than someone else he is unable to wish himself other than he is except more what god made him for which is indeed the highest willing of the will of god his brother's well-being is essential to his bliss the thought of standing higher in the favour of god than his brother would make him miserable he would lift every brother to the embrace of the father blessed are the poor in spirit for they are of the same spirit as god and of nature the kingdom of heaven is theirs end of chapter 5 part 1